You're listening to the Fooled by the Root podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Heidi Marble, your host. I am so excited to welcome Paige Strickland to the Pulled by the Root podcast today. Paige is an author and adoptee. She is Ohio-born, baby scoop era. She is married with two daughters, two grandkids, a few cats. She's a licensed teacher and the author of two memoir books, Akin to the Truth and After the Truth. Paige reached out to me through our submissions on our website via Janet Nordine, the adoptee who is also a therapist and just an incredible human being. So I'm so happy to be connected with you, Paige, and be able to have this conversation with you today. So welcome. Thanks, Heidi. Glad to be here. Well, Paige, I think it would, one of the things when you submitted that really stood out to me, as you said, adoption is the gift that keeps on giving. So before we get into your adoption story, let's just break the ice with that. Like, sure. <laughs> what, how do you define that? I mean, I think I know, but. Well, a lot of times the story, you think the story's finished and then it's not finished. So it's just the Things can keep happening even after years of having gone through all of the processing from the day you find out you're adopted to the day you decide you're going to start searching to the day you find people and make connections with them. And years later, and stuff can still pop up. I've had missing other missing relatives pop up. And mm. yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And um so yeah, I've been on the giving and the receiving end in that kind of way. It's great. And um, somebody says something and I, you know, I hesitate to use the word trigger because I think it's overused sometimes, but it just, it makes you think of something. It, it um, somebody, I don't remember honestly whose podcast it was, but somebody used another word besides trigger. I think it was activate or energize Ooh. or something used. And that kind of stuck with me. I was listening to it a couple of weeks ago while I was driving and it, that it's another word that you can use. It doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation like trigger does, but it still is one of those things that kind of should go, whoa. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, thank you for sharing that because I think, you know, language is tricky and it's hard to to try to figure out what the right definitions are. So I think it's always evolving. So Paige, can you take us back, if you will, to to your adoption story for those that aren't aware of it? What can you tell us? Can you take us back to that moment in time when you were relinquished? Uh, yeah, um, of course, I know nothing about it in that in the sense that I was a baby. Um, so I have no memory of anything other than living with the parents who raised me. And, you know, it was you know, for all purposes, a good experience, as good as these things can get. Everybody's human, so we're not perfect people. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was it was it was on the good end. And um, I don't remember a day where somebody sat me down and told me I was adopted. I've just always known. So there must have been a day like that, but I couldn't tell you anything about it or what I was wearing or where I was or anything like that or who said it. Um, I don't recall that I found out say through a negative way, like some cousin or somebody saying something. So, um, I've just always known. And as a, even as a little kid though, it's not that I didn't like the family I was raised in, but I didn't like the fact that I was adopted, that I didn't come into a family the way everybody else came into their families. 
I would have been fine if I'd been born into the family that raised me the biological way, you know, so that's, you know, some people don't even want that, you know, I would have been fine with that if that's the way things had worked out. But um, I just didn't like, you know, and growing up in the 60s, in the 70s, in the early 80s, that was just one of those things that it was a big stigma. It was a, it was a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. And it's, it was another kind of closet to be in. And I, you know, I would never tell like friends or kids at school because I was, I knew it wasn't even, I worried about it. I knew I'd be teased for it. I'd be, people would say inappropriate things. And it's like, that's the last thing I need is one more person being a jerk. <laughs> you know, Kids get mean and kids get inappropriate oh, yeah. sometimes. And, and they don't even realize it sometimes, but they do. And the parents, you know, adults say dumb stuff, as we all know, all the time. And they may or may not mean it in that way, but it comes out to us because we know. Yeah. So I, it was just one of those things where I was real hush hush about it. And I thought, I am never, ever telling a soul that I am, and I'm going to try to forget that I am adopted and live my life as if I'm not adopted and lie through my teeth. And if I had to, and you know, I kind of skirted around all those little family tree and family history and genetic projects in school and just got it, took a crappy grade, you know? So yeah, no quality put into things like that. Um, just muddled through and lived life how I imagine non-adopted people live, but I wouldn't know cause I'm not one, you know? <laughs> so that's, that's one of those thoughts that comes back around all the time too. How would I ever really know? Because I'm not in that that sector, that camp of society. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that page. There's, there's a couple of things I'd like to drill down on because uh, for me and my experience is similar. I, I really felt apart from, and I wanted to be part of, you know, I I love my grandmother's pictures and I wanted (laughs) that to be my family. So desperately, I wanted my blood to be their blood. I wanted to be able to look at them and say, we are, we are part of each other in that way. But it was never, it was just told to me that you are part of it. You're Mm -hmm. special, you're chosen. But I always knew there was that disconnect. And I really thank you for getting into the details of that. Because I think as a child, you know, you had the instinct to protect yourself from any sort of bullying, which, which I think is, really interesting that you were able to figure that out. So Paige, what do you, what do you know about why you were relinquished? Do you know anything about the circumstances? Yeah. Once, once I made contact with the family, I, I know what they told me, my birth mother's deceased. So I never got a chance to meet her. So I couldn't get, you know, a direct from her, but um, I, I believe I was told the truth. I, you know, I just, don't have any reason to think that somebody just said stuff to either quiet me down or to try to be kind in their own way or whatever. But um, at the time I was born, my birth mother already had my sister, who's 18 months older than I am. The grandmother was of the family was raising all these kids while everybody went to work. Everybody, it, it was funny, in 1959, my sister was born... 
three, three of my cousins were born. Then there was another, I mean, it was 1959. Everybody had a baby in that, in that family. And the majority of the women were all single women. And they, so, you know, you talk about how, yeah, family preservation, try to keep the kids together, try to keep everybody in the family. The grandma stepped up, basically helped out everybody once. Like I give you once. Now I gave it to this person. I'll be fair and and I'll help you out too. Oh, my daughter over here got pregnant. I'll help you out too once, you know, and then um, my birth mother got pregnant a second time with me and she pretty much put her foot down and said, Hey, once is enough. Everybody gets once, you know, and I can't help you out any more than I'm helping you out. And again, lady in her seventies, really, I mean, how much do you expect, you know, by herself taking care of Mm. all these toddlers at the same time? I mean, I can't imagine I've got two. (laughs) Yeah. Two when you're like in your twenties is hard. Two grand toddlers. I I mean, my God, if she'd had, if I'd had six, you know, and you know, yeah, just, I understand that. I kind of get that, you know, and not everybody's like, oh, I'm a teacher. I can handle it either. They just, that's not what maybe what the grandmother expected her life to go into that direction. I don't know. Um, I still think she sounds like a neat lady and I would have loved to have met her, you know, so I have nothing against her. Um, But she just said, I can't help you anymore. I, I can't do any more than I'm doing for you. And then, to complicate matters, my birth mother had a heart condition that's not genetic, but she had a heart condition from having had rheumatic fever when she was a kid. And of course, medicine in the 40s and 50s wasn't quite as effective. And they were living in very rural um, state of Virginia at the time when she was real little when it happened. And so probably no proper or timely way doctoring, you know, was available. So she recovered, but it left her with messed up heart valves. I came prematurely too. I came in around seven months. I don't know if I was eight weeks early, seven weeks early, but something in that window of time. And so I was in a, they said I was in like an incubator thing at the hospital for, even if she kept me, she couldn't have brought me home immediately anyway, because of that being undersized. And she had to go have heart heart valve surgery. So talk about really being unable to care for a, a newborn or a newborn and a toddler put together, you know. <laughs> so a lot. So it was a lot. And my birth father, um, he didn't want to marry her. That was that option. Yeah, I think she maybe had the hope in her mind that maybe he would marry her. He'd come through for her. That did not happen. So she, option number one, grandma, option number two, being able to handle it herself. Nope. Option number three, birth father, step up. Nope. So she, she was out of options. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's, that's an incredible story. And, you know, before we push record, we were talking a little bit about the complexities of reunion. And when I looked at the amount of decades that you've been in reunion, there Mm -hmm. has to be so much value in your experiences. If you can share with everyone what that was like for you, what advice you would give to people searching, uh, I just wonder if you could expand on your experiences. Um, Let's see. Well, 
I kind of went into it real slow. You know, for, for a long time, I was just in that I'm not adopted mode kind of thing. My husband knew. That was the only person that knew. Um, and that's kind of like, well, I kind of have to tell him because if we have kids someday, you know, that's not a secret I can keep there. But I don't want to be treated differently. I don't want to be looked at sideways. I don't want to be told to be grateful or isn't that special or, you know, I don't, I don't even want to start up with that. So no, we're not gonna, it's, this is a dead conversation. So, and I was also at the time in Ohio convinced, although I didn't know it for a fact, but I was convinced it was impossible to ever find her or find anybody in my biological family because it was a closed adoption. What I did not realize until I watched a TV talk show was it's a closed adoption. But when you're, I don't know if it was 18 or 21, my records were open. So if you were born now, Ohio is much more open than it was because they opened all the records. But at the time, they were semi-open. And if you were born before 1964, which I was born in 1961, my records had been open all along. Wow. Closed adoption. It was really only closed until you became an adult. My parents that raised me did not keep up with the laws. They did not, you know, people hear what they want to hear, see what they want to see, read what they want to read and so forth. And they believed closed meant closed. And that was the end of that. Then I found out otherwise from watching a TV talk show. And my husband said, well, then don't you maybe want to at least get the papers just to have the papers. I mean, what could that hurt to have the papers? And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yeah, yeah, those are my papers, man. I, I want those papers. So $20 certified check, send it off to Columbus, Ohio, you know, and three, four weeks later, I get a big fat envelope back with all the papers in it. And I'm sitting at my kitchen table, looking at the paperwork and seeing like, my dad that raised me his signatures on a bunch of papers and it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. There's my dad's handwriting. Here's his name, you know? And, and then I felt like somebody was watching me, you know, like I knew like when a kid does something bad and they know they're doing something bad, but they're going to do it anyway. (laughs) It was just real weird how it felt like somebody was watching me the whole time while I was going through all those papers. And I had to go through more than once. I had to keep rereading them. And then put them aside and then pick them up again, whether it was a couple of hours later or a couple of days later and reread them again. And I was in the middle of a school year. So there wasn't much I could do until school let out. I just had to get through my job. It was before my kids were born, but I still just was too busy with life until school let out. But this is my summer project. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on this and see what more I can learn from these papers. So I had a couple of months to mull it over and think about that and get ready for summer. And then I kind of hit the ground running in June as soon as school let out and started local at the courthouse downtown. And my birth mother took a long time to find. Um, I mean, still within the summer, I found everybody. So it happened fast considering it was the 80s, right? It was 1986, 87, 87. But my birth father found him in three days. And so I had a fast experience and I had a slower experience in that way. Um, But once I figured out who he was, where he, I was lucky. His name was on my birth certificate. That doesn't happen that often, but I got a lucky break Mm -hmm. there. And he was local and he never moved. And he married someone else, but he was, he lived in the same house for 
50 years or whatever. He just, he never moved. But I didn't go knocking on any doors or anything. I was terrified to do that. And I just still, I just sort of had to sit on it, you know, and just sort of mull it over and do, do some drive-bys and, <laughs> you know, watch and watch for cars. And it's like, okay, that's got to be his car, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, the car's in the driveway. He's there. He's somewhere in that house. He's there, you know. And there was one day I saw another car pull up in front of the house and I was doing a drive by <laughs> and <laughs> girl with really long, dark hair got out of the car holding a baby and walked across the front lawn up to the front door. And well, it was one of my sisters. And the other thing I did because he lived locally and he was, that was what I had his name and he lived locally and didn't change much. So I had a, a lucky break there finding him. And I knew where his kids then went to high school because that's the only place he ever lived. So I knew what schools kids went to. So, and at the time, of course, it's so different now. You can't just randomly walk into somebody's high school and go to the librarians in there and say, I'm doing genealogy. Do you have some old yearbooks I could look through? Because now they think you're a creep. But at the time, I could get away with that. And they were like, sure, honey, right over there. You can sit over here at this table here. There's all kinds of yearbooks. And so I start going through them. And I found, you know, pictures of two of my sisters, of his his Aww. other daughters in in the yearbooks. So, and then I went to the public library and they had old school yearbooks and found my, my birth mother and her sister in those yearbooks with all the old black what? and white pictures. Yeah. Oh, Paige. So uh, you actually saw images of them before you met them. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And of course, black and white images don't do much justice. I mean, they can, but it, they're informative in other ways, but they're, I couldn't see much in the pictures. I just I was oh. like, okay, well, that's her because that's what the the names across the bottom and the way the numbers, yeah, that's that one's her. But yeah, so I found my birth mother and her sister in one set of yearbooks. And then I found my birth father's, two of his daughters in other sets of yearbooks. And I made Xerox copies of all these pictures. So I could have my own. And so I had, I just, and I kept a little binder, you know, and I had all the pictures in there and I had a divider for birth mother, birth father in there. And then anything else that I came across, I was collecting articles. If it was even famous people or that were adopted or famous people who adopted, you know, just keeping this little scrapbook thing. This, this is my, and, you know, and then there was a section for my paperwork, right? The, my, original birth certificate, my name change document, my decree of adoption was in there and, um, you know, with all my parents' signatures on it and everything. And um, I kept having to go back to the downtown library to try to track my birth mother because her name, we used to have these things, I don't think they exist anymore, called um, crisscross directories. And you get into these things and they would have old phone numbers, old addresses, and even workplaces for people. You could like, you pull out the one for 19, I'm just throwing numbers out, 1970, right? You pull that out and you look at that and you find, if you have names, you find them alphabetically in there. And then there they are, there they are. They, now I've got to pull out the 1971 one to see, you know, and I was tracking people through that and just keeping a list. She dropped off the names. All of a sudden she wasn't listed on there anymore. So I didn't know 
where she went. It, it also lists the name of your spouse. So I had that. And she did marry a guy, but not my birth father. Yeah, I kept looking, 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 looking. And then I found the guy she was married to listed, but not her name. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And in the, in the, I went over geographically. We're so close to northern Kentucky. I went over to Kenton County across the bridge into Kentucky to check records over there to see if maybe people move back and forth. My, my mom and dad that raised me were actually grew up in northern Kentucky and got married in northern Kentucky and ended up living in Cincinnati, Ohio. So there's a lot of us here that have stuff in the courthouse over there. So um, I did find my birth father's marriage record to the wife he actually married over there. So it's like, okay, yeah, okay. I found something over there. So that's, that's one piece of advice is if you border up to another state, the possibility of something going on in a border state is very possible. So um, always check for things like that. Don't forget about that. Um, but all I found really from going over to Kentucky was, okay, I found a little piece of him, but it doesn't tell me much. It just tells me who he married, when he married her, and, you know, that that kind of thing. And um, so I'm still mulling over, you know, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then I take some breaks. You know, I just, it's, it's like when, like when you work really hard at something and then you have to take a break and play some games or something. Or yeah, something. just mental break. Me, you know, brain break, you know, and it, it, because these are very overwhelming, weird feelings. If, if you're going through this and obviously there's like a first time and then it's not like, well, I've done this before. <laughs> there is nothing like this that you've ever done before. You know, when you're searching for people like that and you're going through all the, what are they going to think of me? What am I going to think of them? Um, another big advice thing is go in with your eyes open, but your mind open too. Because you don't mm. know who or what you're going to find. They may or may not know you ever existed. And so if they're in denial because they've lived their whole life that way, it's kind of like the way I was in denial of being adopted for so long. You know, that I think at some point in my life, if somebody had come up to me and said, hey, I'm related to you, I'm your biological blah, 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 I was, I would have said, no, you're not. Maybe that's sometimes what they're going through, you know. Um, long story short, I found out, I, I found my birth mother's husband um, living locally and I had a current address on him from those directories. And then I, I wrote him a letter and I just said, I'm doing family history. I'm looking for insert birth mother's name. And can you help me out? Just didn't even say I knew you were married or, you know, cause I didn't want him to know how much I knew. Sometimes that's a strategy too, is don't, let people know you know so much because they'll think you're just a creeping weirdo. I don't know. You might run into people that um, are very secretive and very private. They don't want you to know certain things about themselves or, you know, so here's my address. Here's my phone number. Love to talk to you. And he wrote me back and said she passed away in 1976 oh. in Long Beach, California. And he had his phone number 
written on there. So, okay. So I called the guy and then I, I talked to him and his, he had a current wife. He'd remarried and he, you know, he, we talked over the phone. He said she just went into heart failure and had had more than one heart valve operation. And it just, in, in the seventies, that stuff was still experimental. And, you know, had she been able to last 10 extra years, you know, the valve replacement thing would have been much more like, oh, yeah, we got this, we do this every day, you know. But people like her are the people, the reason why other people go through something similar and live. You know, she was sort of in that way ahead of her time and kind of a front runner for other people, maybe. Um, so, you know, that's the way I have to look at it. And she was only 36. That's what sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, gosh, yeah. Paige. That that's such hard news to to take yeah. in, you know. Yeah. So she had my sister that was 18 months older than me. And then when she had remarried in California, she had another daughter who was she's 13 or so years younger than me. So oh, and then wow. that my youngest sister was about three when our birth mother died. Oh, Paige. So, and my youngest sister doesn't have a concrete exact memory of her either. Just a few photos. You know, a childbirth does, if you've got a heart problem, birth is hard on your heart. So that's, yeah. And especially then when they didn't know all the things they know today. So. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's a, it's really difficult to, to find out that one of your parents is past that. I think, you know, to speak to your points about preparing, being open-minded that you don't know what, what you're going to find and, and, you know, how do you prepare yourself for that? I, I, I like what you did. It seems like you went into investigative mode, into detective mode. You took it slow. You actually kind yeah. of wrote your history before you met the characters in person. And that's, yeah. that seems like you took the time to really process through um, yeah. And I and think I think now it's more immediate. Like a lot of times all you have to do is type something in and and you better hold on for dear life because here right. comes the information. Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, there's just there's a lot to consider and you know, I've always tried to keep in mind, you know, their points of view because they've gone through it too but in a different sense. Um luckily my birth mother was very upfront and honest with everybody she met about her life story and my sisters knew about me. And of course my youngest sister who was a three-year-old at the time that the birth mother died, um, my older sister told her everything, you know, and it's funny how all of us kind of functioned with a, you never know someday the phone might ring or you might get this letter in the mail thinking and so they were prepared in that sense. I mean, you can only be so prepared anyway, but they were prepared in that sense that someday in this you case, might come around in the mail. Yeah. So once I knew she died, then I write to, was it Sacramento or whatever the capitals of California? Is that Sacramento? Sac yeah. Okay. Yes, yes I, I believe right. so. Not, not <laughs> my expertise, but I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't want to screw that up. And you're from California. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I've got the death certificate 
And that had a home address on it that she had been living in at the time things happened. And it's like, you don't know if people are still living there that matter, but I wrote to the address and addressed it to what would have been her husband at the time. And again, didn't say a whole lot, just I'm doing family history. Here's the name of the person I'm researching. What can you tell me? And in the meantime, too, I met with the ex-husband that lived up here that had He'd gone to California with her and then he came back. Mm-hmm. So they'd all gone. Well, I got the story from my sister later on. They they kind of decided at one point they're going to reboot their lives, leave Cincinnati and uh, the awful weather here, <laughs> and that, you know, on everything. And they had nothing else going on. Get new jobs, start over the whole bit and took an old converted school bus and a converted hearse, loaded up everything they had. And drove out west. Drove from Cincinnati oh my gosh, Long Beach, California. Yeah, this is a visual. This is I know. My sister and I now were were like, we need to write a she said she said story. You know, <laughs> yes. her life path and that adventure and mine and how things came together. And you know, and then there's a but wait, there's more. But you know, that kind of thing. So, but anyway, that's that's what my sister remembers, you know, and what they did. And so that's where she ended up. And that's why she ended up dying in California. Yeah. Well, that I mean, it's, it sounds the like, husband, like they she, got divorced and he came back to Cincinnati and went, well, what the hell? I'm going back home. And so <laughs> he comes back here and that's how I was able to find him and meet him. And he gave me a couple of photos because he had Aww. he said. Well, your sister Tammy has all the pictures, but I got a couple of them. So he gave them to me. That's amazing, Paige. Yeah. So you were able, so you're getting all these answers. You're filling in all the blanks. Yeah. And how is that, how is that affecting you internally? Like, what are you going through? Are you feeling relieved or anxious? Like, are you feeling like I'm doing something wrong still? <laughs> no, What's going not, on emotionally? Not- not feeling like I'm doing something wrong that, but everything else. Yeah. I mean, relieved in some ways every time, you know, and it's kind of like you open that can of Pringles potato chips and you take, I'm just going to have a few (laughs) back pretty soon. You know, you've got like this many left in the can and you're like, there's three. Yeah. You're licking the lid. And then, yeah. Yeah. And and then you're, you know, taking that can and going like this (laughs) in your mouth with it. Yeah. It it just, that's, it was like, I'm, got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It started with, I just want my papers. And then it went, I want a little more. Okay. I got it. Now I want a little more. Like, it's like, it's like a drug. It's a little bit addicting in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you just want to keep going back for more. And, but then you have, I had, I had to take just a few little brain breaks and sometimes it would just be one day where I would do nothing. I'd clean my house or, you know, do the other things you do when you're off work in the summer from teaching, sit outside, yard work, whatever, get together with other people and live life and then go back, back into it, you know. Well, Paige, thank thank you for sharing all that. It was so amazing to go on that adventure with you and imagine you at the library and seeing all (laughs) this happening. So I, we have about 15 minutes left and I really am excited to, to talk about your books. And can you tell us how those came about and what period in life those came about? And, and obviously you have one after the other for a reason. 
Um, right. And I think it'd be really great for people to know more about that. I've got Akin to the Truth. My husband thought of the title, so I have to give him credit for that. Um, we were trying to be something a little bit punny and a little bit cute with it, but still, um, you know, on point with, with, with the message and everything about finding out your truth. It, it started, well, in 2002, I haven't even gotten into my birth father's side of everything yet, but that's when I basically connected with his family. Um, oh, it, wow. And my kids are born by this point. So they went through that reunion with me, which was kind of cool. Oh. I remember the day we were all standing on the sidewalk, looking at one another outside my other sister's house. And we're all just looking at each other going, oh, my God. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. And my and, and again, my kids, I had them primed for if that phone rings and this is the name of the person that you might if they say their name is this or this, that's who that's going to be. Just you come and get me, come and get me. I don't care if I'm in the middle of going to the bathroom, you, you bring that phone to me. You know, that is the one, you know, anybody else, it's kind of like, she's busy. You know, but I don't, you know, that's the one you can wake me up from asleep, anything for that one. And that's a whole nother story and a whole nother podcast. <laughs> we want to get into that story, but, um, yeah, he he. Uh, that that was in 2002. So then the kids start asking all these questions about who's who, who's who. How? How? how wait a minute. Wait, Aunt So and So. What? Now, how is that person? That is that person really your uncle or not your uncle? Kind of thing. And then all these cousins that come out of the woodwork. And who who's a cousin? And then which side of which family? Oh, that's Dad's side of family. Oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, just yeah. It was real confusing for them. So I started writing everything down. And it just started evolving into a story and it started evolving into more than a story. And I just started at the very beginning of what I understood and remembered. And so it was the first book's very linear and traditional the way I wrote it. Second book, um, I won't say it jumps around, but it's more vignettes and it's a short attention span read. And Ooh, it's also perfect for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's styled in a way that if you read the second book and didn't read the first book, it won't mess you up. You just won't get the backstory, but you get the go ahead of life, what it's like now, instead of what it was like before I found people. And then, yeah, because the second book addresses, you know, okay, how does it affect me in my my job? Because it definitely has had effects on how I teach. How does it affect me as a parent with my kids? How does it affect me now as a person in reunion with these other siblings and a birth father too? And I'm balancing adoptive family and in-law family and birth family. And, you know, how do we handle holidays? And, you know, we just make it all work. In 2018, this is after the book. I didn't put this in the book because I think I did that book in 2016, 2017, the second book. Um, my sisters and I, the ones that are on the West Coast, we had a reuniversary. And oh, we I've went never heard that. it called that. I yeah. love that. <laughs> well, for 30 years, we were like, you know, some people don't get married and have it last that long. Let's, let's, we're going to yeah. have a reuniversary. <laughs> Celebrate. And, yeah, we did. So we went to, we spent one day at the beach and we spent a day at um, Disneyland. I'd never been to Disneyland before, but oh. that was where they kind of grew up going. And, um, and then one day, I guess, what's the, 
the other park that's across from Disneyland, uh, but the other park, you know, somebody listening here will probably know and go, oh, you crazy people, you don't know. <laughs> I know, but, both of us don't uh, even know. Yeah. It's so sad. I'm, 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 yeah, hurry in here. But yeah, and then we're this um, in four weeks, basically three weeks, I'll be out there again. Um, I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon, because both my sisters live in the Portland, Oregon area. And we're ha- it's not a reuniversary for a magic number this time, but just get having another get together. And lo and behold, there was another cousin in the family adopted out just like me. And she's gone missing all this time. And back in October, my older sister found her on 23andMe. And so and her and her sister and so we're gonna have the sister cousin thing <laughs> so oh, that's great right it's a gift that keeps on giving right because, i was just gonna make that point again yeah. I, I think that that's a perfect way to start to to wrap things up because yeah. uh, let's go back to that the gift that keeps on giving so in your case it seems like there there definitely been some hard truths that you've run into, but the bounty that you have received yeah. through all your siblings and yeah, it yeah. it just sounds incredible. I know it's a lot to manage, but what advice can you give adoptees? Because you know you've been doing this for a very long time, five decades plus of being an adopted person. You've gone through all of these different phases mm-hmm. and you know, you clearly the fog, I guess you've come out of all of that out of your denial. And I think for those of us that are in the middle of it are dealing with it. And we're wondering, are we ever going to feel any sense of peace about this? You know, I just, I just hope you can give us some, some hope and some advice about this gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. 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 And I, I have heard the negative side of that is it's the gift that keeps on taking because there's that some people see it that way too. I'll acknowledge Mm -hmm. that. Um, I've, I've been on a very fortunate end of things and I'll admit admit that um, not everybody gets as lucky as I got. Um, But it's one of the big things is just always consider what they might be going through too. It's not, we want it to be about us because we feel like, well, we're the ones that, got denied this or we're the ones that the law doesn't work for and we're the ones that have to um, initiate a lot but always know that they've got stuff going on too they've got stuff going on in their lives or they've had maybe it's not adoption related but they've had things happen to them um, that may or may not have happened to you had you been a part of that family but just things going, maybe th- things just going on in their marriages or whatever, you know, other things going on in their lives and you happening in by possibly by surprise, maybe they don't, haven't gone around thinking, well, one day the phone might ring or I might get a letter in the mail or I might get a, a surprise text or f- surprise Facebook that they, they might not be in that mode. I just happened to be in that mode. And I remember, you know, talking to my mom that raised me um, because she said, if I'd been adopted, I would have done the exact same thing you did. And I said, you know, if for some reason, if any, if if there's a mystery kid out there of yours or dad's that I haven't been told about, (laughs) let me know. I will be totally open and welcome them in. You know, I mean, um, not everybody's in that frame of mind. Nobody, not everybody's thinking about that or, or they've been living in, let's say it's, it's like, kids that 
the parents never told them about something that happened to them before they were born or when they were in high school or something. And so these kids never realize that there's another sibling out there. They get, and then they don't know how to take it. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's really important because we do get caught up in our story and wanting to know. And, and I think, you know, I definitely didn't consider any of that page. And I think because of that, it created a lot more unnecessary pain. So I thank you so much because I think that's really, really solid advice. You know, I've told my sisters too, I said, because they're, they're, they're close knit with one another and were before I ever entered the scene, you know, and I said, I don't ever want to come between you guys. You guys were here first in your sense of the world. And I get that. So I don't want to like, you know, like, it's like when you got that third friend or whatever, and then everybody gets mean with one another or starts telling <laughs> secrets or whatever. I, said, I don't want to get into anything like that. I, I, I you know, I don't want to get in the middle or, you know, it's not that I don't care that kind of, I don't want to get involved, but I don't want to come between people, you know, and just made that clear up front that that's, oh. I just want to get along. Let's just have fun times now, you know, and we, we have a sense of humor, man. You got to laugh at stuff. Best advice ever. I think it's all so serious and so difficult. And to be able to have those humor breaks yeah. are as important as the brain people breaks. And funny. Paige, I'm never going to look at Pringles the same again. So every time I say adoptees worldwide, let's go get a can of Pringles and just go for it. Yeah. 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 Well, Paige, is there anything else before we go that, that you'd like to say? I can't think of anything super witty and wise or anything <laughs> we haven't already talked about, but this has been Perfect. great. This has well, been great. I would like to I would like to jump in and just say thank you so much for your transparency, for sharing your story. I know it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. And I'd love to circle back with you and find out more, you know, later on as the, the gift keeps giving. Oh, <laughs> what yes, else is, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we get this new stage coming in within the month, the, the July 30th. Yeah. Can't wait. Exciting. July 30th. Exciting. And, yeah. And there's a mystery cousin on my birth father's side, too. I found out my birth uncle was also a birth father, but never knew it because he turned wow. up. Wow. So again, I'm giving. So yeah, I've yep. got a there yet to meet that it just hasn't worked out yet. But you know, it it will within a couple of years. I'm hoping either Aww. he'll get here or I'll get there or something. You know. So well, I, well, I wish yeah. you so much luck with all of that, Paige, and thank you again for taking time to share with us. Good thing, Heidi.